Hey everybody, this is Kendra. And April. And you are listening to Nocturnal Distractions. So tonight, a little change of plans <laughs> from my original episode. Oh shit. Um, oh wait, announcements first. Yeah, our first. So what you like prepped everybody for yesterday is not happening? No. Nice, that's fucking awesome, I love you. <laughs> announcements first. <laughs> We have now reached 16 states. Whoop, whoop. Yay! And we almost have 300 plays, which is kind of cool. It is kind of cool. You know, it's, it's like a YouTube video. They get views, we get plays. So it was cool when we had like 12 people, right? Like I, I was know, super stoked like about 12 that. plays, and we're like, yeah! Look at this. And so like this people is. People are actually listening to us. That's not cool. Right. It's awesome. So, so thank, stick around. Thank you guys very much. No, okay. So the case I was going to do, I, I was having a very hard time. Finding present information, and when it's a when it's a case with a survivor, like I feel like if you don't end it with where they're at now, like it feels incomplete, right? And so I need to do some more digging on like trying to figure because like it's like the, it's like the whole family like disappeared off the face of the earth after like two thousand six. Huh. Like they're somewhere around. I just right. I haven't been able to figure out what the heck. Of, what happened i wonder if they were getting a whole lot of negative and that could be but there should be something right so anyway i'm i'm holding off on the kidnapping case because i really want to have something to say at the end to where it's not just like she came back she's kidnapped found and seen yeah like a cliffhanger it's like when you mail a letter and you don't fucking like you write a letter right and then mm-hmm. you don't mail you it, don't mail it. Okay. yeah that's what you'd be doing or thank write you. an email and don't send it yeah thank you for not doing that i appreciate you yeah like <laughs> I, I it just it wasn't like just because i didn't have that i'm like i just i really not excited about this right so i started watching a documentary on tv instead Ooh. and that gave me an idea for something else Ooh. and so the case tonight is actually going to be it kind of plays off of what one of the things we talked about in April's last um, episode, where we were talking about false or not uh, serial confessors. Serial confessors. So people who confess to crimes that they didn't actually do. Remember, because like the last guy's like, well, I killed this many people, and like, and nobody really? believed it. Yeah, and there. So oh. the documentary I was starting to watch was one where some guy said he killed six hundred people. Wow, that's a lot. And, of and it's it's literally about being a serial confessor right and so i'm like okay well i don't want to do it on him because that just seems like it'd be really complicated and i have like five hours to get this ready now (laughs) and and so i just looked it up on google and i found one who is a serial confessor but it's 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 interesting i'm not gonna give any more weight but we are going to sweden i shouldn't even said that sweden Sweden. we're going to sweden for this one and it's actually not like a super old one or like a really really recent one Okay. It's between the basically 90s and 2008. You know what's weird? When I think of Sweden, I think of like a peaceful, happy, like I don't think of serial killers there for some reason. Well, so you shouldn't this is because there's not. There's <laughs> oh, there's not actually. Okay, so there we go. I, I'm know. Gonna, I mean, there's people that, I, who knows? Right. I don't even know. Just, I, I, I think <laughs> of that too. I just think of like hot chocolate and the Alps and the Spain yeah. and yodeling. And yodeling. But they think of us as bumpkins. Right. And it's not bellies and guns. <laughs> and it's not the actually them walking around going yodele. It's the yeah. the Ricula. That is a cough drop, drop commercial. I know, but I think it like when I think of them yodeling and doing things, it's on the <laughs> wearing like the Yeah, that's what I think of. That's the image I get of Sweden and and um what's that so one show called? Um The Sound of Music. Oh well yeah. Well can you imagine what they think when they think of Americans? Oh my god. That dirty we're probably food. on the same wavelength. <laughs> God. Okay, don't. We're not we hating love, America. We I'm love just, America. I'm just saying we love you, Sweden. Please love us back. Right. And I'm not hating on America or anybody out there. I'm just saying, like, we're relating. Okay, well, I'm just I'm just being honest here. Like, <laughs> some of these other countries don't look at us. Anyway. Right. So, so Sweden. <laughs> so, so, Thomas Quick was once known as Sweden's worst and most worst, worse and most gruesome serial killer, confessing to killing 30 victims between 1965 and 1991. Oh, wow. In 1993, 
He was sentenced to a psychiatric hospital on a robbery arrest and due to a personality disorder diagnosis. During therapy sessions while at the hospital, he started to confess to the lengthy list of murders. He referred to himself as Thomas Quick, although that was not his birth name, and he claimed during these sessions at Sater Sauter Hospital that he had maimed, raped, and eaten the remains of his victims, oh. the youngest of whom was a nine-year-old girl whose body had never been found. Oh. He became quickly known as the Hannibal Lecter of Sweden. So between the years of 19... Okay, so 1991 and 2001, Thomas is charged and convicted of eight murders. But suddenly, in 2001, he completely stopped cooperating with authorities and wouldn't talk to him, withdrew from public view, and went back to using the name given to him when he was born, which was Stuart Ragnar Bergwall. See, that sounds more like it's a fucking Swedish. Yeah. Okay, so I have a question, though. Like, he was nine of them they convicted him of? Eight. Eight of them. Now, were those eight that had proof behind it, or he just confessed and they just decided? That's okay. That's, that's kind of that's kind of the whole, yeah, that's part of it. Um, yeah, that's so, the kicker, ladies and gentlemen. So he was super cooperative and talkative and all about, the, and all of a sudden in 2001, like he just he didn't talk anymore. No more confessions, nothing. And then in 2008, he withdrew all of his confessions. And by 2013, all of his convictions had been overturned and he was released from the hospital as a free man. What the fuck? Yeah. So, the big question there is, how, what, when, what, who, huh? Where, why? What, like, how did that even go down? Like, seriously, like, convicted of eight murders. And they got overturned, so... How, where did this go wrong? Where was the year? How long did it say from the time he confessed until he started confessing in like 93? Uh-huh. And he was completely done with the trials by 2001. And, and then was, seven years later, he withdrew all of his confessions. And then five years after that, they had all been overturned. Now, is he institutionalized this whole He's time? He's in the hospital. Okay, it's so there's multiple. Hospital. There's a few reasons why he would have... Mm-hmm. Okay. Much. So, long story short, he never committed a single one of the 30 murders that he committed to doing. Wow. Not a single one. Now, this is a very, this is an oddity even for serial confessors, because usually when you have a serial confessor, they just, I can't think of the word, they... They fuck up inflate, They there. inflate the number to yeah. make themselves sound more tough or whatever. Yeah. But, like, they've at least killed one person. Like, fact, they've killed at least one. Right. Like, they don't, like, you know, but he, none. He He's never kill, killed a single he person. He never killed anybody at all. At all. Huh. But he, he said that he killed 30. Wow. But he hadn't killed anybody. You know what I'm thinking of? There was this episode of Bones where there was this guy who killed people, right? And he had an apprentice. And so I wonder if this guy who's confessing is like an apprentice of somebody who, or somebody who looked up to, you know, and he decided to take the fall or do what it, no, it's not one of those situations. Okay. No, that's a good thought. Right? Good thought. Okay. That's you knew where I was going with that. I knew where you were going with that. Thank you. I've seen every episode of Bones. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, No. No, I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't seen every episode of Bones and CSI and Law and Order and Criminal Mind. Not at all. <laughs> and then there was this guy. But, so to get the whole picture, we're going to go back to his childhood and then move up. <laughs> that is true. So we're going back in time. And I will be referring to him using both names depending upon what years it is because... He uh, goes, he uses that the Thomas Quick during that 10 year span in there. Otherwise, he uses his birth name. How did he get away with using? Well, because um, Quick is actually his mother's maiden name. Okay. So I feel like there's a movie or there's something, somebody, John Quick. Don't you? No, I feel like it's Quick. I'll have to look it up no. later. The name's familiar. Mm. Okay. So anyway, I will be referring to him as either Stewer or Quicks, depending upon what year it is. But you'll be able to figure that out pretty quick. <laughs> so Stewer was born on April 26, 1950 in Korsnas, Kors, Korsnas, 
I'm sorry, Sweden. Right now, I'm. Yep, I'm American. You just <laughs> Sweden, <laughs> where where he grew up with six siblings. He describes himself as a creative and ambitious child who is interested in writing and theater. He was a teenage misfit and wanted nothing more than to fit in, which is hard to do as a misfit in a small rural town in Sweden, being raised according to strict Pentecostal beliefs, which I assume is really strict. Oh, yeah. Worse than Catholic? Um, Pentecostals are more like... Um, yes, I'm going to go with yes. They're okay. more of... You know the people that almost like whip their... They're, they're very, very... Don't leave the house... Um, I think of a misogynistic asshole, like boyfriend, right? That doesn't let you leave your house and you have to wear certain things. Pentecostal is okay, almost that like sense. that. Right. I think sense. I'm right. It could be. Yeah, I mean, I, either way, it was obviously a very strict religious system because at the age of 14, he realized he was gay. Ooh. So, I mean, even now in the year 2022, it's still not as widely accepted by society as it should be. So back in 1964, you can only imagine his inner turmoil in a small town in Sweden and feeling ashamed and not being able to tell any of his parents because they're deeply religious and having to hide that and feeling ashamed because of his religious upbringing. I'm raising my hand. I got the Pentecostal is a form of a Christianity that emphasizes the work of the Holy Spirit and the direct experience of the presence of God by the believer. Pentecostals believe that a faith must be a powerful. I have no idea. This powerful. Why can't I read that word? Experiential. Okay. Thank you. Um, Experiential and not something found merely through rituals or thinking. Pentecostal is energetic and dynamic. I feel like it was something different. So do I. I'm going to keep on doing this. while. Like maybe that was like now. Like that's what it's supposed to be like. I don't know. But either way, like anybody who's raised super, super religious, if they realize that they're gay, they're going to have that shame. Right. Nowadays, which is sad. But, and so, like, he realized that, and he, so he had a lot of shame. And because of that, and like today, we see it often, he started coping with these feelings by using drugs. And at the age of 19, he was accused, but not charged, he was never charged, with molesting younger boys. So he was accused of doing it, but he was never charged with it. So that could have just been, like, neighbor kids knowing he was gay and, like, trying yeah. to get in trouble type of a thing um and later though he did try to stab a former lover i guess oh but then i've never killed anybody and finally it kind of concluded in 1990 he sorry he robbed the local bank dressed as santa claus nice that's a good disguise as he was in need of money to fuel his drug habit Wow. Unfortunately, the clerk recognized him even with the Santa Claus suit, and he was incarcerated at Stater Hospital for psychiatric treatment as he was not a stable individual at that point. So they couldn't just put him into, like, the regular jail. Right. So that's why he wound up there. So it makes sense because, okay, so their rules and their belief systems and whatnot, they are also comforted in the rigid rules imposed by Pentecostal sex um, or – S-E-C-T. Sex. Yeah. Um, It dictates that these churches prohibit drinking, smoking, gambling, dancing, in some cases for... uh Uh-huh. And in some cases forbid women to cut their hair, wear cosmetics, shave their legs, or wear pants. So they're almost like the Amish. (laughs) Except for their... Yeah, but I think the Pentecostals like... They are the kind that like will lock you in the fucking basement if you're doing, you know what I mean? All right, Pentecost- so gay is definitely a no-no. No, yeah, and Pentecostals them, are, um, they're a small They're very group. tight-knit. Uh-huh, very small. I had a, I had a teacher, my English teacher, um, she was Pentecostal. Hmm. Yeah. Well, now, the more you know. Right? So anyways, the it makes sense with know. him being, you know, whatever. Yeah, but. Unfortunately, like, isn't that okay? Here's that. Here's another thing. Then he was so ashamed of being gay, but he 
used drugs and robbed a bank and stuff instead, even though that's completely against the religion too. Right. Like, cause he knew it would be so much more disappointing to his family to be gay than to be a bank robber. Isn't that crazy what our minds do? <gasps> Here's the thing. Like <sighs> we can't hide ourselves. It manifests in all different kinds of ways. And mm -hmm. that's how it manifests. Well, that's that what I mean. Sense. Like that's how he was coping with stuff is being doing illegal activities. Um, and so as a young man, he had always wanted to be taken seriously and treated like an intelligent person. And for a while he wanted to become a doctor. And so he had already started like reading up on like psycho and psychoanalysis. So like, he was smart. Like, he was a smart guy. And so after a little while in the hospital, he started to realize that he could use this knowledge of psychoanalysis to get the attention and acceptance that he had wanted his whole life. Basically. So like, it's like he kind of almost learned through psychoanalysis how to manipulate, right? you know, in a sort kind of a way. Because he, be he, well, no, like he just, it. he just wanted to be accepted. He just wanted to be not a misfit anymore. Yeah. That, that, that type of a thing. And so one day in 1992, he asked his therapist at that hospital, what would you say if I had done something really bad? And he said later on that that created some sort of reaction in the therapist um, and an interest of some sort. And so he kind of like just latched onto that and followed that question with the, the statement, maybe I murdered someone. And once I said that, there was no going back. Uh, it's kind of like a kid when they do something funny, right? And you're like, oh, that's so cute. Mm -hmm. And then they keep on doing it to get that same reaction. But at some point, it's because fucking wanted, annoying. Well, and it's like part of him was like, he just he, wanted attention. Right, exactly. But, He's childlike. But even so, why would a person confess to such sadistic and violent crimes if he was truly innocent? Like, there's got to be some, like, come on, logic. It's got to kick in. And while being interviewed for a documentary later on in 2008, he tried to explain. It was, it was about belonging to something, he says. I was a very lonely person when it all started. I was in a place with violent criminals, and I noticed that the worse or more violent or serious the crime, the more interest someone got from the psychiatric personnel. I also wanted to belong to that group, to be an interesting person in here. You just want to be loved. Any he, attention is yeah, better than no attention. Because he hadn't gotten it before. You know, he just wanted to be noticed. And so this was the beginning of him using the name Thomas and his mother's maiden name of Quick. So now whenever you hear me say Quick, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. So the first murder he confessed to was that of Johan Ostlund. Johan was 11 years old when he went to school one day and never returned. His body was never found and has never been found. During therapy sessions and police interviews, Quick would say that he lured Johan into his car and took him into a wooded area where he assaulted him, after which he claims to have panicked and strangled the boy, then dismembered the boy's body and buried the parts they would not be found. Is that the nine-year-old? No, 11. Okay. Absolutely. So here's the first of many red flags. Because remember, remember, keep in mind this whole time, he never killed anybody. Right. So here's the first red flag that something was not right with this confession. Forensic technicians were sent to search that location that he described, but no remains were found. None. It took them another nine years for prosecutors to even put together a case against Quick to be convicted for Johan's murder. So he wasn't even convicted of that murder until 2001. Oh, wow. So it's like, so there's, I want you to count these red flags too, by okay. the way. Okay, got it. Because there's, <laughs> there's going to be red flags galore. <laughs> In 1996, he confessed to murdering nine-year-old Therese Johansen, Johansen in Norway years earlier in 1984. He initially said the girl was blonde and lived in a rural village. However, she had dark brown hair and lived in a tower block in an urban area. <laughs> Red flag, too. Quick's lawyer, Thomas Olsen, that was brought back in to represent him after Quick had retracted his confessions, said that Quick had described a totally different situation in all aspects. But instead of accepting that, the investigator investigators went on with 15 interviews. Oh my so he says that he killed this girl, said she was blonde and lived in a rural village, although this girl had dark brown hair and lived in the city. And they continued to investigate him 15 times. They just kept on like feeding it. Another red flag. 
Yeah. Red flag number three. I feel like the police department should be fired. <laughs> All of them. After confessing to murdering, and then there's another act, he confessed to murdering Therese Quick. <laughs> Sorry. After confessing to murdering Therese Quick, he was driven to Norway and TV cameras immediately followed him everywhere and he loved the attention. Keep in mind that all he had wanted his whole life was to be noticed. And now he was becoming one of the most famous men in Scandinavia. Wow. So, like, he's not seeing it as bad right now. He's just finally seeing it as being noticed. Quick claimed that he had threw her body in the lake and the Norwegian authorities spent seven weeks to drain it. What'd they find? Guess what they found? Nothing. Nothing! A 0.5 millimeter quote-unquote bone fragment now that's that's tiny that's tiny like a grade of sand yeah basically was discovered in woodlands nearby and was not tested before quick's trial and only after he was convicted was it found to be just a charred piece of wood (laughs) but he was already convicted so there's flags four and five yep basically. Oh my god. As he continued to confess to murders, more and more things started to not line up. I'm not tired. I don't know no. why I'm yawning. It's like, uh, first of all, oddly, for serial killers, there was no MO or modus operandi. Right. He conf- he went from killing children and adults, raping men and women using a variety of weapons, and didn't stay in one geographical area when committing the murders. Which is what normal serial killers do. So that's like right. flags, seven, eight, and, and did nine. he have enough money? Like, where did he work to be able to supposedly I, be hopping around like this? Okay, there's know. 10. Like, that's just like, yeah. Yeah. And just when you think there can't be any more red flags, he appeared to have cast iron alibis for the times that some of his crimes were committed. <laughs> Example, he said he killed a teen boy in 1964 when he himself was only 14. Several witnesses say that he was at his Holy Communion with his non-identical sister 250 miles away, and they had photos to prove it. <laughs> Red flag again. Oh, wow. He also claimed to have killed Alvar Larson, whom Quick claimed to have murdered at Sircon in the Lake Asnin outside the town of Urschelt. <sighs> Terrible. You're doing wonderful. According to Quick's sister, however, Quick never left Fallen at the time of the murder. Flag number 11. He has an identical sister. Um, well, not... Yes. They're twins? twins? Yes. Yep. He then said he killed a 23-year-old woman in Norway in 1985 and had sex with her, even though he had stated many times that he was not interested in women. Yeah, like, why would you... Okay, so there's 13. <laughs> and... The um, when they tested the DNA and the sperm in the DNA sample at the scene, the DNA analysis showed it was not quick. Fourteen. That, but the courts <laughs> yet again found him guilty. Quote beyond all reasonable doubt. End quote. So who decided to like? Who was there for? Was his psychiatrist speaking for him? Did he have a guardian litem that was like oh, we'll making people it. okay? It's, it's yeah this mm-hmm. is nuts man even in 2008 when he recanted his confessions a judge stated that there for this dna one stated that there is no dna nor fingerprints and the evidence is not as strong as it could be what there is is everything quick said back then that sort of fit in <laughs> not a th- he gave a lot in. of facts about two murders in particular that fit so well with what actually happened and what kind of children these two were. Nothing to match nothing. I know, and that's the thing. But here's the thing. Quick later on said that a lot of the information that they claimed was not released or known to the public, because you don't know how like sometimes with these cases they don't release certain information to the public. That way they know when they have the right person because they'll say something that hasn't been released. Yeah. And he says the information they claimed was not released to the public was. And early on in his confessing spree, he still had regular leaves of absence from the hospital in which he would go down to the library and read up on old cases in the newspapers. He would then memorize details from these reports, such as the positioning positioning of the body, the landscape, clothing, all of this is public knowledge at this point. And then he would reveal these things in therapy. And they would say, that wasn't known to the public. 
So what? after doing, after doing, like going to his therapist, the therapist is winding up seeing him 90 minutes, three times a week. So that's at least four and a half hours of therapy a week. And then would praise him for his bravery and digging into his past every time he would confess something. <laughs> and he was even at times flown by private jet to the reconstruction of murder sites because the police were just happy to have a suspect. So again, he's getting praised, he's getting rewarded, he's getting wow. noticed. So, wow. and they're spending a shit ton of money. Well, yeah, I mean, he's confessing all these things, you know. I, I, I but still, it's kind of like uh, I'm not tired. I promise. No, it's okay. And, and he said, I didn't even need to do much with the stories, he says. Usually a single newspaper article would be enough. The rest of the information always came during the interrogations from the police, therapist, or different people on the investigations team. I knew I just had to listen and pay attention. <laughs> so I think they were like, question, like, like wording questions in such a way. That he caught on. He's a smart, yeah. he's a very smart man. Yeah. Then, in all of his therapy sessions and police interviews, Quick was heavily drugged on a cocktail of benzos. He was given tablets every two hours, up to 20 milligrams value each time. Enough to knock out people, basically. And he wasn't. No. I mean, and he was. Because, I mean, he'd been using drugs before, but, but it was enough. But, I mean, 20 milligrams of volume every two hours. <laughs> Right. Like during these investigations. So all at that high a dose, it could explain why he was able to invent such disturbing stories of cannibalism and rape and murder because right. it lowers inhibitions. And so they basically fed him what to say. And then he was saying it like, here's the thing. What I know is like Sweden doesn't have a, a very high crime rate. Their jails are like non, there's nobody yeah. in them. Right. So to have a serial killer or somebody yeah. killing people, people didn't really question it too much either. Right. And they, they didn't know what to do. That, well, and they just thought, Oh, okay. He's killing people. Then right? now, why they were giving him this much. I don't know. Because Other they, than the fact that they were trying to solve some crime. Right. Unless it was somebody on the force or somebody they knew that was, was no, killing. I don't, I don't know because they they didn't really find bodies. Yeah, and uh, um, so he later on said the drugs were very important because I had free access to them, and I relied on them to get me into a condition where I could tell stories and make them up. <laughs> a lot happened inside of me. I'd get high, I'd get a kick, and then I'd have lots of fantasies. My imagination would run wild. In one sense, they gave me a lot of creativity. It was like a vicious circle. The more I told, the more attention I got from the therapist and the police and the memory experts. And that meant I also got more drugs. Right. And he, all the while, he's probably laughing at these morons. You guys are fucking believing me. Like, well, and, and he's not realizing what he's even doing because he's so he's in a freaking state of, high. Then how does he know that's what was happening if he doesn't remember? Well, I mean, you, Just you, can, be high you, and, I mean, you can be high and then later on remember oh, like, yeah, yeah. okay, this is what happened. But, but like at that time... It, it's just like, I can't believe I'm taking this serious. Like, really? On a serious note? Why didn't I ever get that high? I mean, yeah. I'm not saying I want to go back because, and do like, it. Because he was pretty much kept on like a solid, constant. Right? And he would years. just dip out. Damn. Okay. Yeah. So over the next years of confessions, they had the exact same one officer, therapist, prosecuting lawyer, and defense lawyer. And they were the only ones that were ever there. They even had the same sniffer dog used at each murder site <laughs> what the fuck is it because they only had one of those no. okay and this dog marked areas for human remains 45 times in 24 locations that quick gave them nothing was ever found apparently their sniffer was broken on their sniffer dog huh i feel like you know <laughs> it's like you know, those, like what? those annoying people that you see the movies, right? Where there's that one guy in the police department who's just a fuck off. So they give him some like bogus ass to get rid of them. I feel like these people were the bogus people and they didn't want them near the real stuff. So they gave him that. I know, but like, they're like, they're keeping this guy so drunk. He doesn't even know what's happening. Basically. No, that's like, he's just telling stories and like getting convicted of murders that and he doesn't aren't real. Know. And so when you said he didn't really understand what was going on, he, he like didn't he did, understand. Yeah. What he wasn't was really understanding on. the ramifications. It's like right. going out and getting a little bit tipsy. Like you kind of know, but your, your inhibitions of the Lord. Right. And you're not thinking that like anything's going to happen because you didn't actually do any of it. 
right? And I understand that need to like have somebody um, see you yeah, and appreciate you. It becomes and talk a drug. To you like an intelligent person. Yeah, like Plus you add the drugs. Then that that takes over. That yeah. alone sometimes can get people in a state of I don't care what's going on. I just need this. And that, and especially for him when he felt so much shame over his sexuality and everything else, like just to be accepted. Yeah. In whatever capacity. Shame it was. on these fucking people, man. Yeah. So Jenny Kudim, and this was um, somebody who helped research somebody's. Okay, there's a writer that comes in later and starts writing a book about it. And she was helping with the research for three years on it. And she says he was a mental patient in a mental hospital. <laughs> he was the only one who didn't have a job. The other people around him were the ones who were meant to be saying, no, we don't believe you. Yeah. In that sense, you cannot blame Stuart Bergwall because a lot of people around him should have said no. At the same time, though, he's also to blame because he's hurt a lot of people by telling these stories. Right. But if he's not in the right mental mm -hmm. capacity, that's... Yeah. And, and he'll talk about that later. The worst part is that people is, is that because of people not doing their job, there are a lot of killers out there who never got caught or faced justice. Right. Not only that, but it would be proven that during the dozens of interviews after each confession, such things like. Okay, sorry. I had to type this up a lot quicker. So my, I, I don't have much grammar in here, so I don't know where to pause. That's okay. <laughs> If you, I'm a grammar person, like if there's no commas, I like just, I can't even talk right. So not only that, but it would be proven later on that during the dozens of interviews and after each confession, there were things that he would be asked, such as what murder weapon he used. And he would say a camping ass, camping ass, <laughs> a camping ass, camping ass, <laughs> a camping axe. And they'd be like, no, okay, a spade. No. A carjack, no. <laughs> and other items before saying the quote-unquote right item. A wood club. In court, though, it was merely presented as... It was merely presented as quick, correctly identifying the weapon. Mm. Never, never mind the fact that he identified 25 other weapons before that one. All they went into court and said was he identified the correct weapon. Oh my fucking God. And now, if you'll excuse us, it's time for an intermission. <laughs> Thank you for joining us after that short break. We <laughs> hope you got a snack, went to the bathroom, and are ready to move on. And we... <laughs> okay, Kendra, I love it. I had no idea that was coming. I don't even know. I love you. Ad-libbing. I was a theater person in high school. Oh. I played the crazy girl in Chicago. Really? Yeah, the one in the cell that's like, he popped his gum. So I shot him. So <laughs> your fucking eyes, dude. So I shot him. <laughs> and I wore a flapper dress. And anyway. Oh, fun. Back like to our story. Yeah. So for show. victims' families, the length of time it also took to conduct each investigation was awful. Because uh, there's no evidence. <laughs> right. And then they had to listen in court as Quick gave his testimony, such as when he said he ate Johan's fingers and kicked his head like a football. And none of it was true. Oh, my. Remember. <sighs> so these families who thought they were receiving closure of some sort were suddenly faced with the same questions of, was their family member dead or alive? Is the real killer still out there somewhere? Right. When asked, if Quick himself felt guilt knowing it was lies, he says it's hard to explain because the benzos kept him incompassionate. Like he didn't have any compassion because they just muted him. Yeah. He says that he had awareness of the lies, but he was living an alternative role as Thomas Quick during that time, not himself. And every time he became agitated in his cell at night and started to like basically come down off of him and started to believe that it was all really made up, he would just be given another dose of benzos. Oh, wow. They literally kept him sedated completely. So in 2001, so this is after he's already been convicted of all eight murders. Okay. So in 2001, hospital had a new clinical director who 
when reviewing Quick's meds, was shocked at the dosage and immediately ordered them to be cut back. Once Quick wasn't doped up all the time, he stopped confessing and cooperating with police at all. Huh, shocker. This was also when he switched back to his birth name, Stuart Bergwall. Oh my God. Yeah, so it's like they cut back his meds and all of a sudden he's like, it's like waking uh, up from a dream that wasn't yeah, a dream. Exactly. And like, re- like realizing like, what did I, what, what was I, why, why was I, what the heck? And that's a long time to be on that. Like cause- years. Yeah. Yeah. And so then in November of 2006, so five years after he was taken off of, you know, all that hardcore or whatever, yeah. Thomas Quick's trials were reported to the Swedish Chancellor of Justice. And I had to look up what that was exactly. And it is a, the government official found in some northern European countries that is broadly responsible su- for supervising the lawfulness of government actions. And he was contacted by a retired lawyer on behalf of one of the families that, you know, was supposedly a victim yeah. and who wished to have the trials declared invalid. That's good. Because they, they already had their doubts that, like, what he was saying was true. Like there were doubts already. And several experts in the field of law and psychiatry, among them Swedish criminologist and television crime commentator Leif G.W. Pearson, were called to give their opinion and testimony about this whole, like, getting rid of them and whatever, getting them declared invalid. Also called on were two police officers that had been involved in the investigation of the murders, but who at some point refused to be involved anymore. Oh, weird. What does that tell you right there? Weird. All of them claim that Quick, or I guess I shouldn't shouldn't say Quick anymore, sorry. I didn't change that. Bergwall has a history of mental illness, but it was unlikely he was guilty of any of the crimes to which he had confessed. The handling of the cases has been described as the most scandalous chapter of Scandinavian crime history, branding it as glaring incompetence naivety and opportunism within the police and judicial system it's almost like he was a guinea pig like well and that's why they like, just they, was listen, they had well, that one police officer the one therapist and the two lawyers and the one dog they were the only ones that really knew what was going on you know what's crazy is they were probably serial killers they were sick individuals to allow I this think to they happen. were just trying to like solve stuff and make themselves look good oh, and that's that what they meant by it. like opportunism like okay. look at all these things that we solved look at all this good that we've done like we put this bad guy behind you know i got you i got they you. took advantage of him basically because they were clearly the runt of the litter and they wanted to be on top motherfucker that makes me know, that makes my heart man. sad yeah so two years later in 2008 hans rostam this is the author one of sweden's most respected documentary makers became intrigued with why bergwall suddenly stopped talking seven years before previous when he had been talking for 10 years up to that point right and so it was at that time that he went there and went through fifty thousand pages of court docs therapy notes and police interrogations and realized with shock that there was absolutely no evidence used in any of the convictions no dna no murder weapon weapons no eyewitnesses nothing nothing other than bergwall's confessions that were only given while under the influence of narcotic drugs and now Okay, so the judge. I mean, the judge didn't know he was under, like, I don't think he probably knew he was under drugs. He should have known. But even with no, why did the judge let that shit go through? Because, That's crazy. Because, like, they had it, they had it, remember, because they had it swung because even when he said, like, oh, is this weapon? Oh, is this one? When they went to court, they were like, oh, he identified the right weapon. They just did it up really good. Because mm-hmm. usually when somebody confesses, they don't go any further. And uh, it could be in a lot of that, too. They basically, <sighs> it was all based on his confessions alone. There was no actual physical evidence at the time to any of this stuff. And it was only when confronted that Bergwall admitted it, he had made everything up. So up until that point, I think like he was almost punishing himself for that seven years, you know, by putting the families through that and just not saying anything. Because he would have thought, said something, but until somebody was like, um, dude, what the heck? Right. Like, what what happened here? Somebody had a voice for him. Mm-hmm. And so during the time the researching for his this Hans book was being done, Bergwall began to take back his confessions. 
He was acquitted of his last charge and released in 2013 after spending 22 years in that psychiatric hospital, being convicted of murders which he did not commit. So, and I'm just going to read off like the list of the eight murder convictions that he did receive and were later yeah. called back. So there was Charles Zell Zelmanvitz, and he said he killed him in 1976. He was sentenced in 1994. No forensic evidence other than the other than the confession. So that was dropped in July 2013. Johan Osplund, the 11 year old. In 1980, he was sentenced in 2001. Nobody, no forensics, except for the confession. They dropped that one in 2012. There was a Steighaus couple in 1984, sentenced in 1996. No forensics, but Quick gave information regarding facts that had supposedly never been disclosed to the public. His confessions were later questions as questioned as Quick seemed to have been pri privy to all information before the trial. The retrial granted, and then there was a retrial granted by the Supreme Court, but either way, that one was dropped in 2013. Right. Yenon Levy in 1988. No forensic evidence, but statements included in Quick's testimony, such as his incorrect guesses at the murder weapon. <laughs> the wrong hair color. You know, and all that fun stuff were not mentioned in court. So, oh, of course not. That was dropped in 2010. Therese, Therese Johansson in 1988, and he was sentenced for that in 1998. That bone fragment that wound up being a piece of wood. That's great. And man. that wasn't even tested until after the trial. That one was dropped in 2011. And Trine Jensen, 1981, he was sentenced in 2000. No forensic evidence other than a confession. That was dropped in 2012. And Grease Storvik, 1985, no forensic evidence, just his confession, and the semen found in the victim did not belong to Quick. So that was dropped in 2012. So literally none of them had anything to tie this guy to it. They stole a man's life for but 21 years. But if this, like, here's the thing, though. So the, these are the questions that I have. It's like, where does the majority of the blame for this blatant injustice fall? The therapist, the doctors, the officers, Bergwall himself? He is, the word came out of his mouth. And I think at the beginning, he, he definitely was at fault. But then it was the doctor's fault because they kept mm -hmm. him fucking drugged. Yeah. Because as soon as he got off the drugs, he stopped and he realized. Yeah, he realized. And, and, and I think that at first he only did it because, and all he said at first was he was just judging the therapist's interest level. Right. All he said was, maybe I murdered somebody. Right. And so, I think they started doping him up right after that. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, like there's, there's real psychics and then there's mm -hmm. psychics that they just say something and get your reaction. Mm -hmm. And then they just oh, yeah, kind of process of, yeah, they process of elimination. Yeah. And, and that's what he was doing with them. I mean, basically. And they but, fucking knew it. But they did this whole thing where it wasn't even reading him. Like they were literally telling him, no, that's not the weapon. Try again. Right. Pick another door. And he didn't have anything to say. No, I mean, his freaking defense lawyer was in there with him. And he's clearly clinically insane. There's yeah. obviously other things going like on. Like I said, that's why, like, when it went to, like, the retrial thing and they had, like, all these people come in and say, like, he's mentally ill. There's no way that he committed these crimes no. at all. It just makes me, it makes me sad. It makes me want to cry because... They stole this man's life for 21 mm -hmm. years for and the years. abuse of people who does, yeah. they don't have the capacity. And how often does that happen? Maybe not in murder situations, mm -hmm. but out there where people take advantage of people that like yeah. can't defend themselves. That mm -hmm. shit fucking pisses me off. And I mean, part of it was, I mean, he's, he was super smart, you know, and, and at the same time too, you have all these families had to go through all these like these court trials where he made up these terrible stories about what he supposedly did to their relatives and it wasn't even true right and some of them their bodies haven't even been found yet so it's like are, are they still alive like who actually killed them like is there a kill like right what happened to these fuck nuggets um it didn't really say, but I also didn't do a super deep dive because I only had five hours. I really hope they're just in prison for the rest of their lives. I don't, I honestly, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. 
like what the repercussions of that were or like as a doctor you played off as like he kept freaking out we had to keep giving him Valium. Right. But if it has to go all the way to the justice system or whatever, yeah, for like, the, they had to have a punishment. So I'm I would assume gonna, that they probably did. But they took a fucking. I am just in but shock. It's, it's just like the fact that they did that to him for so long and then him having to live with that shame of what, first of all, he had to come to terms with the fact that he was in jail for life basically because all of a sudden it's like oh waking up from a dream and you've got eight murder convictions right and no family your family didn't like you before and now well, they I really know, I don't, don't. Even know if that was it but it was like if you had a family member who had eight murder convictions like you want much to do with them right exactly so and and but even, even more his sister, isolated his gave him an alibi for a couple of them which should have been the and there, I think there wound up being like 23 red flags in there that somebody right. should have caught along the way. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's the thing that's really sad. Like, his family knew that shit wasn't right, and they didn't even, like, try to fight it. I mean, so when they were going to trial, there had to been another fucking lawyer present, well, the, like yeah, the prosecutor. The, just because they were both always in the therapist's office with him. So I the don't know what to say. Okay, so... His defense attorney okay. just didn't even care. All right, so his lawyer right mm -hmm. and these other fuckheads mm -hmm. tag teamed his ass it, that's what it kind of sounds like it sounds like his originally defense original defense lawyer like just didn't even like care. care didn't even care and that's why they had a new one brought in when he was trying to get him overturned oh my that was like God. um you guys the dna what what the what yeah, because, like, say if my relative, that had happened to them, and they said that the semen was didn't belong to that person, I'd be like, okay, so let's go find the next person. Exactly. We're not, like, I'm why, not pressing charges. Or, oh, this wasn't a bone fragment, it was a piece of wood. Right, okay, so that clearly isn't the guy. Like, but as the already, lawyer. But we've already convicted him. Fucking, oh So, my. you know, oh, we don't have actually any forensic evidence at all, but he confessed. They make humans we have like no that bodies. that just fucking fuck with people's lives. And but the, and that's the thing. Like now you got families out there that like one of the families, like the one with the eleven year old, um, heard some horrendous things. Well, they, first of all, that and like the husband and wife were split up, and they originally thought when their son had gone missing that it was the wife's ex boyfriend because he had made threats towards her. But then when quick like confessed they didn't they didn't even pursue him and so now they're still thinking that it was that guy and he's long gone long gone probably doing whatever to it, other well, little just, kids and that's just the thing it's like yeah. anybody that like whether it was the same person that killed all these people or different people it, there's it's, no leads uh, followed up on any of it because they weren't looking Right. That makes me mad. Like, I can't imagine people being close to this situation because I don't know them or any of the family. And right yeah. now I feel well, like, like, I mean, I guess you have to look at it this way. It's like, if you don't know the inner workings of what was actually like, how many drugs he was actually being given, any of that stuff. Like, if you're just in the courtroom as a family, you're not going to know, like, um, the judge isn't going to know necessarily. The judge should know, but like, they're not going to know the drugs that they're giving him or anything else. And remember, because they swing it in court, like he pointed out the weapon right away. Right. So in in America, you got me America. on that. Right? There, the judge would want to know because they're not going to put somebody up on the stand or have them sit in the courtroom if they're doped the fuck out. Because uh, they because if they're if they are um they are a harm to themselves or others, and they have to be under some kind of sedation, they'll allow them in there still. Yeah, but I, I guarantee they never put him on the stand because they already had his confession. Okay, they didn't have to put him on the stand. Right, I don't because in murder in murder trials, it's very rare that the they actually put them on the stand because they usually get slaughtered. Right, and I also live in this wonderful utopia world where I feel like people are decent human beings, and if they see somebody fucked up out of their goddamn mind, they're gonna say something. No, everybody just mind your business. Let's just what the uh, who knows? You know, who Sorry, knows? I'm and I suppose, a lot. I suppose too. Like after two years, like how do you know when it's fucked up and when it's not? Right. And at some point, it's like a constant thing. And they had to keep on getting stronger because after 21 years, your body comes like well, immune and to and some I'm sure shit. That the, oh yeah. Because I'm sure that when that medical exam, like the new medical director came in and was like, uh, why is this dude taking five and a half bottles of Valium a day? And why isn't he dead? 
basically oh my tolerance i guess God. but it's just one of those things where it's like and you know like i said after he like came to and realized what he had done and what his life was gonna look like that's why he didn't say anything for seven years because he was basically i think he was basically punishing himself right at some point you're like how do i go back on this and if he yeah. has nobody to back him up and help exactly. him because the doctors he are against he doesn't him. know how to do because obviously his lawyer didn't help him before so why would he trust another lawyer right it's like a bad movie his life you can make a movie out of some shit yeah, like that I'm sure he, there he are movies it out though yeah no but i mean living in that world like you have no support nobody's gonna help you you're basically trapped but there, but like i said the whole time though there were people on the outside that were like this doesn't seem right. Like the one family, like that one family that had that victim and they went to that lawyer and said, um, we think this needs to be declared like a mistrial or something. Cause something's not right here. And it's really sad that it took a doctor. Like it had to been somebody that they had but respect for to fucking but, but just, be it, it heard. Took a family of a victim that had supposedly been murdered by this guy to go to a lawyer and that lawyer to go to the, the Supreme the, the person ju- that overlooks things. Their ju- ju- judicial system yeah, thing or what the fuck what, ever. What would that even be here, the Supreme Court? Yeah, that's exactly what that Apparently would be. It's just like one person. Oh, but, but yeah, it's just that. It, it's so just how crazy to me. It? It's just like the victim's family were the ones that were like, eh, Right. So we look at this. And so then I- that author that came in was like, Yeah. That's not right. So how is he doing today? Like Um, the last, I mean, like when he was released, like his care plan was kind of kept secret, you know, but the last reports was he's out, not on medication. Fine. Yeah. So anyway, that's like the craziest, like serial confessor one that I have stumbled upon that has never actually killed anybody. Damn. And like they've basically been drugged by the, the court system to confess. Like anybody else who's like a serial confessor, they're just doing it because right. they want to do it and you know, whatever. But so there you'll have to look it up sometime and maybe we'll talk about it in the next one. But my friend was sending me these um random like I thought you were gonna say ransom. I'm like, who's the one for ransom? <laughs> no, they were just like, look at these and it's people being accused of something that they've never done mm-hmm. like crimes against there was this one woman like she got pulled over and they thought she was a different woman right who had a warrant out for her arrest and wasn't allowed to be around her children or something like that you Can know they just look at her driver's license? right she didn't have her and they Aww. even they she didn't have her driver's license and because of that they couldn't identify even though she had people in the car saying that's not her that's not her they took her to jail she spent three days in jail worst treatment she was a diabetic they wouldn't give her the proper food they wouldn't do anything like that and then um, they just had to take her fingerprints to realize it wasn't the right person right because it was the weekend and they figured they had the right person they were being assholes nobody did anything they wouldn't let her make a phone call and turns out and all they said is oh my bad we had the wrong person so I'm glad they've got those little fingerprint scanners now when you don't have your license with you like I did that one. I feel like when they thought I was you. <laughs> Dude, and, you didn't, and you didn't have a license and oh your, your vehicle was unregistered. Oh, no. Okay. So get this. There was, there was a part in my life when I was a little irresponsible and I forgot to pay this ticket and I got a warrant out for my arrest and Kendra was driving. And I was driving car. her vehicle, which was not registered either at this time. Right. She, and I, I, get gas. I went to get gas. <laughs> And I happen to have like fake glasses on that day too. <laughs> and we look a lot alike when we're both wearing fake glasses. And I come back out to the car from inside the gas station, two like sheriff's officers around it. <laughs> and I'm like, hi. And they're like, April, do you know whose car this is? I'm like, April's? <laughs> Why you haven't borrowing it? Because mine's not working right now. Right. And then they're like, let me see your driver's license. I go looking for it don't have it with me and i'm like i don't have it (laughs) and they're like well hold on and luckily they had like a fingerprint scanner so they were able to scan my fingerprint and see that i wasn't her and they're like and then they said something like oh well you're lucky we had this because you look like you look a lot like her and i kind of laughed and one of them was like no that's not a good thing she has a warrant out and i'm like oh and then they're like do you know where she is no Right, like Kendra was a trooper. That's my bitch right there. She's all like, I don't know. She just, I'm like, I just I, I the think car she's up in Hastings. <laughs> like uh, last I knew, she was in Hastings. That was fucking awesome. I was like, 
<laughs> like, I don't know. I'm just going to. Oh, oh my god, I fucking love you. She wasn't gonna let nobody know where I was. But it was just kind of funny because he's like, okay, well, this, we know it's you, and you guys kind of look like when I and I kind of laughed because I thought, and he's like, no, it's not funny, and I'm like, right, and I and then my mind went to like, what the hell did she actually do? Right, I think that's how we found out that I had a war, and then I had a call up yeah. to the thing. I didn't even know it was just unpaid yeah. ticket. But it was just one of those that's things. The way, like with the way he said it, I'm like, like who did I just make friends with? Right, like, like we had only known each started. other for like two months, three months, and I'm like, yeah, um, mob, mob, what? Uh, I, love you. I, I didn't even ask what the warrant was for because I'm like, do I really want to know? <laughs> All right, sorry, I just want to get this car back to her because I'm afraid. <laughs> now I'm afraid. Now I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Thank you guys for listening to okay. that right there. <laughs> Well, we gotta share stories of our lives with you guys because we because have so many fucking funny stories. Because our lives are fun. Um, <laughs> she goes because we're fun. That's all. Get if, fun if people. You, if you want to be fun with us, you should send us an email. Yeah, at nocturnal distractions. Yeah, like on a serious note, if you want to be fun with us, send us an email. Do you know how that sounded? I fucking love you. You know, if you want, <laughs> if you want to be even cooler in our eyes, you will support us and send us five dollars so we can go to this Alaska axe murder house one day. Even though we're not judgmental, we'd still love you anyway. <laughs> and look, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if you want to, if you want to be super, super cool in our eyes, even though we would still love you unconditionally, you would send us that, and yeah. there will be a link down there for that. And if you like us a, a little bit. You can follow us on like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. What you saying is we really want to do this trip. We do. We do. Sponsor. And it would be a really awesome episode for you guys to listen to when we're back from it. Or maybe during it. Or during it because April plays scream. I, I was going to say scream <laughs> like a girl, but she is a girl. Holy fucking. <laughs> She'd scream like somebody who screams. She'll scream like a little boy. I'm totally talking about myself in third person. <laughs> All right, everybody. It's time for bed. <laughs> I, thought, God, I, thought, I thought there was something else I was going to oh. say, and now I don't remember what it was right now. Oh, my God. What, are we, ta- oh, what are we doing next time? What's your <gasps> oh. blurb about uh, yeah, okay. your, your next episode? So I like old shit, right? And I like cases that um, nobody's really heard of. So I was looking online and the very first serial killer, like ever recorded, known to man, and he fought next to Joan of Arc. And so that's what we're going to learn about. Learn about. That's what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have a history lesson, but a fun one (laughs) in today's class. But yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about. And obviously, since it's an old one, I know nothing about it at all. And it, it, I don't know, I, I find it interesting. Like, we just didn't all of a sudden start having serial killers. And, you know, it's been a thing. People are fucking sick in their dose. I wonder if you can consider some of, like, the kings and queens that just chopped off everybody's head serial killers. I bet some of them were. You had to do what you had to do. You had to... And... Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> rabbit hole, rabbit hole. hopefully I will find information that I need to complete the one, the case that I was going to talk about tonight. And if I can't... It'll be put off some more and I'll find, I'll find something else interesting. What? Oh my April's God. raising her hand. Right. So the last episode that we did on the Irish guy, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So get this. I want to be Irish so bad. I really hope I am. But, um, so this case is really weird. He came from Ireland, a place that I want to go mm-hmm. in 1920. My address is 1920. I don't know. I found little things like that really odd. Here's another thing that's odd. <laughs> Cause remember this guy in the last episode that we did was also a, serial confessor and one of the things that he confessed to was the Velisca axe murder house Velisca house yeah that one that is unsolved till this day that we were talking about that another that um that's not good true crime pod just did a show on it and they're the ones that we're going to the house with and we all thought that was kind of weird yeah, and he wasn't. Yeah, because he wasn't. Because he supposedly he supposedly wasn't here yet. But how good are the records? We don't know. And so I told, I told one of those, I told one of the gals over there, and she's like, "Well, I'm not getting any work done today, <laughs> right? Here we go, rabbit hole." So Kendra's she went down critical. like a rabbit hole. <gasps> Fuck these. Rabbit I'm like, holes. I'm like, we're gonna solve an over hundred year case. And we're going to be rich and famous, so you should definitely support us with some money now. And if we don't get off, <laughs> we're going to continue trailing off on 17. And you're going to have to just listen to it. All right. Good night. I love you guys. I love you too. Bye. Bye. <laughs>